Hey, good morning, leaders. It is another wonderful day here at the Leveling Up Podcast. I have my good friend, Carla Hill. She is one of the best of the best in our business. She is a a seasoned professional with HR, and she understands how people live in their genius zone. And that's what our topic is today, to talk about how we can live in our genius zone. And I am so grateful that we get to dive in deeper with her on this, because she just barely wrote a a chapter in a book, and that book is just flying off the shelves. It's going to be so much fun to talk a little bit more about why she does what she does, her origin story, some of the fun things that she's recognized as far as patterns of progress. So Carla, how are you doing today? (laughs) I'm doing excellent. Thank you for the invitation, Brigham. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Carla, let's let's first start with a little bit of your background. Tell us a little bit more about how you got into HR and how you started running uh, your own business. So thank you again for the opportunity to share. I'm a first-generation New Yorker. My parents met while in New York City. My mother's from Costa Rica, Central America. My dad is from... South Carolina, and they met because they both wanted a better life. So, you know, I always say, oh, one person from Lamont, Costa Rica, the other from Charleston, South Carolina, or Ondaw, South Carolina, meeting in New York, right? So being a daughter of an immigrant, because my dad was a business owner, he's passed away now, my mother is what you would call a, a, a traditional immigrant worker, right? She she worked herself up through the, the ranks to become a registered nurse supervisor, went to school and so on and so forth. So I'm a daughter of an immigrant and an entrepreneur, right? And I that's important because of the, to me, in terms of the work ethic, right? So I really navigated both worlds, right? I've always felt, wanted to be an entrepreneur, but always had, you know, immigrants will say, you got to work, you got to work. So I went to college and I think in eighth grade, I said I wanted to be a doctor. Yeah. Right. Because I had limited exposure. I just wanted to be successful, whatever that looked like. Right. Mm -hmm. But God in his infinite wisdom, while I was in college undergrad, we had a family friend that was the human resources manager for the New York City Public Library. So I hung out with her and that's when I was exposed to human resources. And that's what I majored in because it would have been a disaster. I love people, right? If anyone knows the drive system, my part of that assessment, I'm a relator executive, right? So I care about people in terms of reaching their goals, but I don't think I would have been a good clinician, right? Just in terms of that systematic. So again, I get to be exposed to people, help people with their goals. So, and I've navigated that career for over like 30 years, right? Um, And and I'm real. If anybody knows about assessments in, in terms of Myers Briggs, I'm an INTP. That P is like I love big picture. I get bored easily, but working for a large employer for a long time, I had so many different roles in human resources, human resources manager, deputy, and so I had different departments. Like in government, I had police department health department. So all those occupations that I had exposure to kept me from being bored. Because even though it was one employer, it was different cultures in each, because you have a police department, blue collar, white collar, everyone had their own culture. So being a career management geek, I got to see people operate in their gifts. And the other side, people not operate in their gifts. I think 
what you said there, operating in your gifts, that's that's why I have you on this call because when people are operating in that this genius zone in in their gifts, there's some magic that happens in their career. It's some magic that happens in their life. Can you talk to us a little bit about how you discovered uh, that you had this passion to help people live in their genius zone? Wow, that's, I, I just like you're saying, I mean, I, I've seen it in terms of people. I've probably supervised over 100 people, bring them during my career, and being involved in watching people. In human resources, you see people at their best when they're at their happiest, right? They're getting that position, they're training, you're listening. But also in terms of when you're a leader in that space or the disciplinary side, at their worst. I mean, I've terminated people, laid people off, seen, you know, people go through death. I mean, it's it's a lot that you get to see. So it's almost being, it's, I'm in the people business, right? So you get to see when someone is really good, whether it's my leadership role, where someone's just talented. And in terms of all you have to do when they're that talented is really resource them and make sure they have the gifts and say, go, right? On the yeah. other side, it's it's dragging them along, right? So I've just, over the years, just observed that and just having human, really being studying that human behavior, what makes people tick? Why are some people successful at what they do and others are not? Now, again, another stereotype of like immigrant population that comes over here, being that daughter of an immigrant, is, oh, work ethic. You can just, they're just gonna work, work, work. I rather have, that's important. I want the work ethic, but imagine if you have the work ethic along with the design in their personality, interests, skills, and values, it's off the hook. It's like art to me. I don't need TV when I'm watching someone really operate in their gifts and talent. They win, the organization wins, right? But you have to know what that is. And the gaps that I've seen is people study their, they'll, they'll study their phones, their cars, more than themselves. And we are our most valuable asset. So there are systematic ways of finding out your design in order to live a life by design as opposed to default, right? Because you can ask a 10-year-old in Utah, 10-year-old in Philadelphia, 10-year-old in Costa Rica, what do you want to be? They're going to say what they've seen because they can't say what they haven't seen. You can't, right? So, but there's there's tools where you can figure out who you are, you know, in terms of, hey, okay, if you're, instead of somebody saying, oh, you need to be in STEM, oh, you need to be in the arts, there's a systematic way where you can collect information about a person, and then, and that's a large part of what I do in terms of my practice, I'm certified in Myers-Briggs and Career Direct, so you give, let someone sit down and really take the assessment then there's a 24 page report that comes out of it and then you can guide them. It'll be like, and it, it's ironic that I say doctor, right? Because Brigham, let's say you went to the doctor and they're like, oh, hi Brigham, here's your prescription. But the doctor did not take any labs. They didn't ask you any questions. There's no intake, there's no family history. So it's the same thing. If someone is picking their vocation, whether they're a business owner or their, their career plan, most of the time it's just hit or miss. There's no data, there's no assessing. Now I have to say, I, you know, my husband and I have two sons and they've been in a combination of over the years. My youngest is gonna be a senior next year in college, but nice. I've seen, again, observing 
that in your private schools, they spend a lot of time on assessments of their students because they know they have to deliver the end result to the parents, right? And in public schools, even your elite public schools, they don't have the bandwidth. So it's kind of hit or miss also, right? So what I'm saying is people need to, because I've seen it, that's why they're successful because they spend more time studying their self and what, and, and assessing what is the chances, what, making sure that they are developing the success pathways based on accurate data. It's just like in real estate, when we are doing, when we're doing our ARV, we're saying, is this a deal or not? Is this person going to be successful in that career? We need the data points to discover that. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So just if you guys are not familiar with ARV, that's your after repair value. That's when you're doing a fix and flip, that's, <laughs> you need to know that. Otherwise you're not going to know whether this deal is going to make any money. And I think, Making that connection is really important here because when you're looking at your career, when you're looking at your business, are you actually living in this genius zone or have you done the the data analysis you need to, to say, I'm in the right zone. I'm in the right lane. Uh, one of the things I think is really interesting is you, you said you have like a 24 page report to say, <laughs> this is what your aptitudes are. Here's where your, your blessings are here, your talents, maybe some weaknesses. When you have someone that gets a report that they're like, oh, I, I thought I, I had more aptitude in X, Y, or Z area, and that's what I want to do. How do you how do you help them not like discourage them, but like help them say, hey, you can do this and you can do it in this way, in this way, in different ways. How do you guide people? Yeah, and that's the thing. You can have data, but the, the other thing is it's important to make sure you have wisdom in the multiple multiple counselors, right? Where you have a human being also interacting and asking questions because the brain will play tricks on us, right? If you're just looking at the report and you don't have someone to review the report with you, you just your brain will just confirm, oh, that makes sense, that doesn't make sense. But you're right, where the rubber meets the road is taking that data and asking some clarifying questions, right? Because overall, we're saying leverage your strengths. It's almost like in business, we talk about a SWOT analysis, right? Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And I look at that also for, because I'm my best asset. All right, so what are your, your strengths? We want to make sure that you are fully leveraging those strengths. They're, they're fine, right? But then you're right, we want to systematically at least identify and list those weakness, those weaknesses or HR trained HR people say developmental areas, right? But like I had a client yesterday, she said, I want to know my negative points and what I need to do. Because she's she's that executive style, right? She wants to maximize. So it's not all of them, but which ones do you need? What again, that's what you need to know what your goals are, right? So for me that transition of being a business owner. My weaknesses are more systems. I'm not a person that I'm big picture, um, people oriented, but the duplication in the systems that are required to run a business, that those, those would be my weaknesses, right? So that means I have to lean in <laughs> to mm. that because that's what I want. Now, if I didn't care about being a business owner or creating systems, I could just leave it alone and delegate, right? And that's, you know, in terms of my W-2 side, that's what I've done because God's blessed having, you know, people in place and staff. And I'm like, oh, I can get, oh, you're good at that. You're good at that and put people. But when you are an entrepreneur, 
You have to create those things first and then you're duplicating. Mm -hmm. So yes, I have to say that this is what I want. Am I willing to put the effort in? Because when you are operating in your non-strength, so to speak, it is harder, right? So that means I, I need more accountability. I For me, this, this is what I've done, right? Making sure that I have accountability groups that people, and it's uncomfortable because they say, no, this is not right. You have to, you need this on your website. And it's really not fun, right? But it's important to me because I want the outputs, right? I want the goals. I, so it's first you have to identify if that's the goal, then, okay, yes, I do have to turn that. I have, it's like almost risk mitigation, right? It's a risk. If you are operating in your weaknesses and you don't have a plan to mitigate them by training or resource or delegation, then you are just leaving yourself wide open, right? But again, if you're not looking at that goal, then forget it. <laughs> it's fine, right? So you have to determine what you want. I love that. So one of the the stories that popped into my head is this idea of the story of the talents from the Bible, where everybody is blessed with different levels of talent. Could be one talent, five talents, 10 talents, but it's what you do with those talents, what you do with those strengths that determines your outcome, not just that you're blessed with those talents. So I like this idea of changing weaknesses into, you know, developmental opportunities. I, I thought that was a, a really fun way to think about it. Uh, how do you help people uh, that get stuck on their weaknesses to to leave that for a moment and focus on the things that are their genius zone, the things that actually can help them progress quickly. See, it does take time, right? Because there's some deprogramming that has to take place, right? Just in terms of transitioning from a W-2 or an employee to an entrepreneur or even vice versa, right? I mean, I've seen entrepreneurs, oh, I'm sick. I can't, I'm sick of this. I can't, I have to get a regular job, but they don't like the restrictions. They don't want to work. So it depends. So when you look at very successful people, athletes, even the best of the best have coaches, right? Bring them. Absolutely. To, because it takes time. I was a snob when it came to life coaching because I, you know, I know that there's literally 33,000 different pathways, occupational pathways, and only a career planning nerd would know that kind of stuff. <laughs> sure. So, but when I, when I first came across life coaching, like maybe seven or eight years ago, I'm like, what is that? I don't understand what that is. Now, during the pandemic, I became certified as a career planning coach and executive coach. And so what I learned from that process, because I was being coached during that time, was coaching is space for you to maximize your potential. So when you say, how do you do that? People have to come to that determination themselves. But if they don't create that intentional space to have exposure to that data, and they're, they, because the, the hope is as they're getting that content and they're processing and they need time to say, this is what I want. If you say, oh, I just really want to do it. Let's press the microwave. It doesn't, I, human beings, we're not designed that way. Mm -hmm. We are designed to evolve and develop. And we are a summary of our experiences and the trauma and the trauma and the drama that goes with it, right? Sometimes mm -hmm. people think, oh, I'm good until they get laid off or somebody gets ill, right? So I think it's a, a spiritual realm, right? Where all the all things that work for you, 
will work for you, right? And we say all, even those, the ones that we view as negative per se, it's a reason that's moving you closer to your destiny, right? So it's not just that coach or that person helping, it's a combination of your experiences and the data and, and what your design is, right? And what's happening to you along the way and how ready you will be, right? So it's, it's the combination of those things. It's not just one thing, but you have to be intentional about creating that space for that development and investing in that. I, I love this word intentional. You are so, so, so smart and bring that up because if we're being intentional with what we want to create, we, we have to recognize that SWOT analysis, where are our strengths? What will help us actually get to where we want to go? And then what are those, those weaknesses and those threats that are going to potentially keep us from it? And how do we mitigate that risk? And then where are those opportunities? Because just because we want to do something doesn't necessarily mean the opportunity is right there, but opportunity will come. And if we're not prepared for it, that opportunity will just pass us by. So and to your early point, we want someone to be in that genius zone, right? Again, I've seen, especially with talented people, people that are professional in anything that they do, you can do anything, right? Good, but do you want to be, you could do it well, but do you want to be exceptional? Mm. That's what I want for people. I want you to be swimming in that place where it's the top 10% because you bring that to the marketplace and it's not just about money. You will, it's that optimization, right? Some people, when, when I talk about values, now if you're among entrepreneurs, a lot of times it's money, 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 but there's, I've been around people, some, for some people it's social impact, right? For some people it's, it's just making a difference in people's lives. For some people it's purely money, right? And that's fine. I just need to know what it is. It's, I'm agnostic to what it is. I need you to know what it is so we can help get you to where you want to go. That That's really powerful as, as a coach and a, as, as a thought leader like you are in helping someone just whatever it is they want to do, really understanding where do you want to take your business? Where do you want to create your, your future? And then listening and taking in all that data and saying, you know what? I think these, this is a great pathway for you. Or you're like, this can work. Now these elements could really make it difficult. So let's figure out how we can mitigate that challenge and make it happen. Uh, could we hear an experience that you've had helping someone go that was at one of those pivotal moments in their life and make that shift where they were previously maybe not in their genius zone, but after doing some type of assessment with you and, and, and help, they were finally able to have it almost like with a, an adjustment, be able to see, oh, this is what I want to do. Here's where I want to go and, and start down that path. No, oh, thanks for that opportunity. So I had a client about 30 years as a communications executive, right? And he calls me up because he knows I have ties into government. And he's like, oh, I want one of those big wig city jobs, right? And he says, well, I, I, I ask him, well, instead of being a political hack, we really just need to determine what you want to do. Because he was sick of his his boss, right? Yeah. To be quite honest, right? He said, And he didn't really need the money, right? Because he was going to get a big payoff at the end in terms of retirement and so on and mm -hmm. so forth. But he wasn't ready to leave. He wanted, you know, we're trained to just go get another job. So 
he, I said, I need to, before I'm telling you this, because I also know that there's so many different occupations instead of just locking in. And he's probably about, it's like mid to, to early, about mid fifties. And instead of locking in, okay, this person is a communication executive. All right. You, oh, you want to be, you want to do PR? Let's do, let's do the assessment. So he did the assessment, but what came up so strong was his commitment to youth development, right? He was a, like a, a black belt person. He would really volunteer for all the youth development activities, recreation, sports. So, and, and of course, management skills, right? Because he was been a communications executive, but so many of us we are used to having lives like in silos, right? That, oh, if I'm this, I, I can just volunteer. I'm working to do my real passion. But imagine I really want the opportunity to help with that synergy, right? So what I said was with your management experience, with your commitment to physical development and youth development, you know, Philadelphia where I live, is we're known as education and, and medicine, right? So we have lots of universities. So I said, you know, a leader in that recreation space, sports at universities or the YMCA, right? Or the Boys and Girls Club. And that's really what he did. He pivoted to leadership, to management in recreation, right? Even though it's less money, right? But it was a lot more fulfilling for him, right? So that's that's why we basically say we're taking an inventory of the skills. I don't want to leave any of your skills or strengths on the table. I want to know what they are and from, you know, human resources and what are what can be transferred? What are those competencies, those skill sets that you have can be transferred to another occupational area, right? So keep the management, keep the, your you know, he was great at just interacting with people and people like him. That was a major thing. But then your interest, right? Okay, you have the technical skills of writing press releases and, and being able to finesse the press, right? So that, that's great. But your real passion, right? And Bob Snyder, the, you know, one of our mentors is CEO, talks about your passion is your life's purpose seeking outward expression, Right? And that's really what I'm seeking for people. That's what I want for myself. And if I was even a billionaire, I would be doing the same thing because I am motivated by the economic empowerment of myself and others, right? Through career planning, business development and asset building, right? And there's uh, the term in Black History Month right now, it was attributed to Harriet Tubman and Ida B. Wells in the late 1800s, lift while we climb, right? Meaning oh, that yeah. I'm gonna keep, I, I, I'm motivated to maximize my potential, but I'm gonna be bringing other people along the way, right? So that's that's what I want. I want that fulfillment because imagine if we have this person that I just talked about working in that space where he wants to be around children. He wants to be that mentor. And he's really into the sports and the, the fulfillment of the wellness and the physical body. That's where we want him. We don't want him in a media company, right? He could do it. He could do a lot of things. But where is he going to really have that 
passion, where is that best expressed, right? Mm -hmm. So that that's what we want for people. I, I love that. You, you have this idea that it's not so much about what your aptitudes are. It's about where your passion is. I think that is that is such a key distinction because if we're following our passion, eventually the money will fall because we're creating value in the marketplace. It just creates these ripples. And I I love that. It's such a great visual. Uh, one of the things that I've learned about social media, and it just reminded me here, is you always want to try to express, not impress. And I thought this had relevance here as well. If If you are expressing what your talents are, you're expressing where that genius zone is, and not worrying about uh, whether you're impressing somebody else, eventually that that expression, your passion, will will start to to create your future. So let's talk a little bit more about how you've been able to help people identify how to express that passion in their career, in their business, and and really find their genius zone. Because sometimes people don't even know that they they have that anymore. So I think it does begin with that assessment, right? Because that's the raw data. But then we need to build up tools in the toolbox, so to speak, right? Now, there is, here's a free resource, onetonline.org. That's the database of 33,000 occupations. And again, from that nerdy standpoint, it's tied to the, the federal government's Bureau of Labor Statistics, that really goes down deep for because let's say you're you have an interest in fashion and business and you're like oh I can't be a model but there's so many other occupations that surround that industry so if I can get you close to an industry having onetonline.org do like because I had a client that was that way where he was a a person that he. He was entrepreneurial, but he did what his parents wanted him to do in terms of graduate from college. But they like, okay, you need to get a W-2 first, right? But all along the way, his entrepreneurship, he would make clothes and jackets and making money from that. But what he was looking for to appease his parents, quite honestly, was that that typical for a couple of years, that job, right? So there's pattern makers, there's buyers, there's a whole bunch of other occupations than what you just see, but we have to do the research to really ferret out those other opportunities if that's really what you want. And I've seen that also work for entrepreneurs because in that same assessment comes up, oh, you're entrepreneur, like I've seen where it comes up 100% self-employment, right? So, but what are your interests, right? So, cause they just, I just wanna work for myself, but you have a higher chance of success if we can tie it to a skill set or an interest that yes, we know your design is entrepreneurial, right? But if you could do something, if you're more innovative, if you're more compliant, maybe a franchise works better. So having all that data and then the consultation coming up with other resources to, but we need, you know, this is a, I think younger people still play like hide and seek, right? You're getting warmer, you're getting warmer, right? Mm -hmm. So it's getting to the data points to say, hey, the rest of it is clutter. Like I know your parents talked about STEM, but you math is the lowest on that scale. So maybe that's not where you should go. 
but let's explore the opportunities in the areas that you do want, right? But that is systematic. That's why it does take time. It's not just, well, I'm just going to do this. And then you go about doing the same thing and not disrupting and not deprogramming or doing the appropriate research for the fields. I I think that that's wisdom to be able to to take a complex idea like 33,000 different careers and and business opportunities and say, well, let's get you closer. And just that idea of, well, you're getting closer, you're getting closer and exploring. That's part of what our, our life's about is to have joy in exploring. Like one of my main purposes in doing this podcast in, in connecting with other people is to empower leaders to uh, inspire, uplift, and uh, to increase their opportunities to grow as leaders, to have joy and to reach their God-given potential. And if we don't take that time to assess, to step back, and recognize where our opportunities are, where our strengths are, we could actually be missing the mark completely. So I see it all the time. I mean, that's that's really what I'm I'm driven to. My client yesterday, because she's very big picture and spiritual, it's not just one thing for her. And you no, know, the day before yesterday, I did her assessment. And she's a lawyer already, but she she wants to really, she knows her purpose is to help other people, right? But she knows that I have a gift here. So she said, Carla, she's like, this assessment matches, it was like an alignment, like with her numerolo- numerology, all her, she's like three or four different things, it confirmed, right? Because this is a research-based way of doing it, but she has done work in that area, right? But just imagine people that don't even, that's not even in their left, that's not on their lips. They're not, that's not in their vocabulary that they need to assess themselves, bring them. It's not, they just say, well, I guess the parent, my, my mom said I have to get out of the house. It's either the military or school. I mean, most, most of it, that's how it usually happens, right? Mm-hmm. So if we could just let people know that, that that's that possibility and even in you know both like I said I used to both my sons being in college what would happen is because I'm a nerd I would visit on our class visits on our college visits visit the career development offices and it will always be empty but those are places that have tools also right just and I mean that's there's most of the, the students will go for resume prep but they have so many tools to help you discover but no one really tells people that that's what you're supposed to be doing. But the people that are, like I said, private schools, people that are are used to doing that, they spend time and money in discovering themselves to increase the chances of success. But most people are not having those types of exposures. So I'm glad you are creating intentional space like this so people could think about, all right, I want to increase my chances. And a lot of my clients have been like entrepreneurs that want their adult sons and daughters to succeed. They see them struggling and they're like, all right, I will pay for the assessment and consultation to get that student on the right, or, or young adult. It's not, they might've graduated already, right? But they see them still struggling. They did their part, right? Where they finish school, but they still don't know what to do, right? So this is a way to get them on that on that pathway. You know, I, I think there's so much value that you can create by 
by really diving into what you want and recognizing where your aptitudes are and those those things that are your genius zone. I one of the the things that I, I wanted to also ask you was you, we talked about uh, about where you want to go, right? Your uh, your destination. But if you don't really know where you are, you you can't be oriented. And I love that about your your business name is GPS, right? It's a way that you have a direction, but you also know where you are. And therefore you can plot a course. If you don't have both, then you literally can go anywhere. It's like that Cheshire cat. Hey, Alice, where do you want to go? It's like, I don't know. Well, then it doesn't really matter which path you take. So that's what we named it. My husband helped me name that because when you turn on the GPS device, if you're somewhere like in a desert and it can't pick where you are, it's like, we, it's just spinning. It will not tell you where to go because they don't know where you are. Right. So that's why I start with those entry points of collecting the data so we can really see what we're working with here. I love that. One of the things that that reminded me of. So one of my genius zones is improvisational theater. I don't get to do it as often as I, I, I would love to, but these calls allow us to have some improvisational moments. And what happens in the very beginning of an improv scene is there's a discovery and an exploration phase. You have no idea where it's going to go, but as things get put together in the scene, eventually it comes together and you make little ties and eventually you will find that that goal of the scene is fulfilled, right? Whatever the conflict is. Remember that show who's, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, like whose line is anyway? anyway? Right, with Drew Carey and Wayne Brady. That's a gift. People can't do, so that's why you could interview people from all over and be able to just, like my college age son said, finesse, right? You just could, because that's something. And I remember that's one of the, the areas. There's a person that is more innovative versus compliant. There's some people that want to know step one, step two, step three, and that's all they, they want. And that's fine. And I just want them doing that, right? But the per imagine the person that's innovative and don't want that. And they're in that type of compliant role. It does not work. It's it's terrible. It's terrible for the organization. And it's 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 really draining for the person to work against type that that design that long. And people do it all the time, but I, I think we get, I believe we get one life, right? And I just I think it's you owe it to yourself to be able to do that, to increase your chances of success. Yeah. And finding ways to express it in multiple facets. This is something that I think is interesting. When when you were bringing up, hey, you're getting closer, you're like you're playing that game, hides it, you're getting closer. <laughs> uh, sometimes we don't get the exact thing that fits perfect in every single element. But as we move towards that, opportunities come and we're like, I can do that. No, I can, I could do that. Great. I'm going to take that opportunity. And sometimes an opportunity comes up like, Oh, I could make money of that, but I really don't want to do that. That does not fit who I am. I'm going to let that go. Exactly. It's like clutter. You're decluttering. Like it's not impressive to know about 33,000 different occupations. I know that is just large, but my goal is, so you know about five, right? Like, I don't want you to know all because it's all this mess. 
But if you can just eliminate, no, I'm not interested in mechanical engineering. No, I'm not interested in saying, like all that just goes out the closet. Out, it's just out in the world. Now then we can have that space of where you really belong in the genius zone, like you're saying. I love that. This is really where I feel like a coach and a mentor is so key because so in Mandarin, there is this expression, pang, uh, pang so those that are playing this, this game of Go, right? It's a Chinese game. Then that are in the actual game, they get a little stuck in the game. But when you have that third party perspective, you're outside of it. You can help. You can see where they're going and you could actually make better moves because you are not attached to the outcome. That's the difference with a coach and a mentor. They can give you advice that you you can't see. It's almost like you have blinders on at times. Can you can you talk to us a little bit about maybe an experience that you've you've had doing that as a coach? And like I said, part of there's a group of individuals, those parents of young adult sons and daughters, right? They're 20 plus something. And they're so close to it, right? They're they want their children, and I'm a mom, we want our children to succeed so badly. And they're like, Carla, we need you <laughs> because it's just more, uh, they know that I care. So they know that I'm a parent. Mm -hmm. I'm also part of my design. I love careers and I love people, you know, operating in their gifts and talents. So I become a team member, right? In terms of another set of eyes, like when working with a young person now, she's graduated college and she's an entrepreneur and she's doing some healthcare stuff just to keep her dad quiet. So her dad is talking to me, she's talking to me. So it's that disinterested third part, like I, and it's, I'm using my human resources skills, right? I've been in union environments, I'm management, I'm employees. So it's listening, right? But the fact that we were through the assessment, able to isolate, again, she's another, she ran track, had a track scholarship, right? And, but she is off the chain in terms of entrepreneurship, right? But she loves to compete. And I, part of what I do in my intake is also getting people's drive, right? So she is, and drive is another assessment. So anybody listen to this, she is an executive relator, right? So she's off the hook when she talks about winning. So she would love to be a coach like in soccer or, or like and track and field, right? Cause she loves people. So that is like, now her father's like, I can see her doing that. I can see. So he's like, now he's like really, instead of saying she needs to do something. Now I have them both talking about, let's look for those opportunities. Cause she likes to travel also, right? She like to go abroad. So, you know, there's opportunities for Americans to play in these international sports and just I came across the Wall Street Journal yesterday of how um, the, the National Soccer Women's League is trying to make amends for their foibles. So there's money being pumped in and they look. So you, you know what I mean? We start once I know we're all looking for the same thing. Like a lot of people, because part of my branding of jobs and HR, like, oh, Miss Carla, I'm looking for a job. Well, what are you looking for? I'll take anything. I don't know how to look for anything. Yeah. Right. Once I know, then everybody's looking for the same thing. Just like if you say you want a car. Oh, I want a black actor. So you know where to go. If it's just, I just need any car. Like you can't do that. 
But once we start getting the data of what can we do, getting that win-win, then you see that parent is happier, right? And then the student or the, the young adult is feeling heard, right? So out of that, we can be swimming in the same direction as opposed to just opposite. Oh, I spent all this money on school. They're not doing anything. You know, it's let, let's get into what areas can be a win-win where that person gets the flexibility because she does not want to work in an office. She's not going to do the typical nine. She hates that, right? That's like jail to her, right? But traveling the world and competing, she's like, oh, if I'm competing, I'm going to win. I'm going to teach them how to win. So I'm listening to her language, right? I'm listening to her and, and also and I can challenge like what we learn also in that drive um, course is I learned to speak the language of their drive, right? So I said, cause she has this re on, on her assessment came up really strong for languages. Like I noticed you, you, you are great at languages. So that's a blessing that you can do that. But she has this big interest, but there is a gap in, in the, practicing it right and I said I challenge you to pick up that language right because it's off the hook that that's an interest but you have not poured yourself into learning it that will increase your chances because I said oh there's also translators available if you if you really picked up the language then you could travel and be a translator right so that's the, we start planting those seeds. So something that you see how something that's a weakness of not being fluent, but wanting to be fluent and wanting to travel, that could be enough of an incentive to say, hey, you get certifications, you could travel the world if you, because anybody could learn a language. It might, it's going to take longer, but if you, I look at, do you want it first, mm -hmm. right? There's this story, not to be religious, but in the Bible, they talk, it's, it's the man by the pool of Bethesda. He's there for 38 years and he, it's, you go in the water. You're supposed to go in the water and be healed, but he's at the side of the water. He never gets in the water. Now Jesus comes on the scene and this is Carla's interpretation. It's like, oh, you know, you can go in the water and be healed, right? And then he comes up with reasons or excuses. Oh, I have, you know, I need somebody to help me get in. Somebody, people keep getting in before me. But then Jesus asks the question, will thou be made whole? Like, do you want it? Like if, so that's the first question, right? So I have to determine what that's part of the value, right? It's like, oh, you can make $200,000 that like, if they're not motivated by money, then just dial it back. You have to find what is that interest? What is that passion? And then go that way, right? But it, you see, that's discovery. That is really assessing and figuring out that person. And to your point, parents, when we're of adult sons and daughters, and if you don't have them yet, you, you I know you're a dad. And no matter what age they are, you want them to you want them to succeed or whatever that looks like. You want them to do better than you did. That's you know, regardless of race, gender, background, that's one thing we all have in most, you know, most of us have in common. We want our, our children to do better than we did. So is this love, is this investment? And when you like, oh, they're so close, but they're not, hit, this is a way for them to hit it, so to speak. So 
I see that most of me being that disinterested third party and being able to bring them together with data. Because again, since I'm a parent, I do care. I'm a relator, I do care. <clears throat> and But I understand from being a human resources practitioner, when you have someone not operating in a career planning practitioner, not operating in their design, it's going to be disastrous, right? So you can want all you want for that that adult son and daughter, but if they're not operating in their gifts or talents and they don't have a clue, but part of my job is to facilitate those discussions. But now I have data and they are green. Like they're like, oh my gosh, this is so they're like, this is scary that it's so accurate, right? Because it was it's it's scientifically based in terms of PhDs and research. They're like, how do they get that? Because it's they're skill practitioners. That's what they do. That's why we can get that 24 page report that comes out about you. Wow. I think some of us are, are, are a little scared to even look at that report at times, but uh, I would love to hear your ideas on vulnerability as well, because to be able to make a career shift, to be able to, to, make even a transition from where you thought you wanted to go when you were a little kid and where your aptitudes are and where you feel like you want to go now. That that assessment is a key part, but it takes courage. It takes uh, a desire. And sometimes it's really challenging to unprogram yourself to go from this direction to to go in the direction of your genius zone, as we were talking about. So can you give us an experience a little bit? Yeah, go ahead. It's the same person, right? He, she graduated college two years ago, right? He gave her the gift of the assessment and consultation. Mm. Now, she wasn't ready. To, I'm like, I'm not doing it. People are, I mean, the money's not going anywhere. It'll be there. But I followed up. We've, we've been trained. The fortune's in the follow-up and he paid for it. And what she said, unsolicited for me, because we just finally had it two years later. She's like, Miss Carla, if I would have done this two years ago, the thing is, I, I wasn't ready. Now she has the experiences. She knows she graduated college. So now she's like, I know I don't want to work for anybody, right? She has even more data from her experiences. So to me, and you know, he was disappointed that she wasn't doing it, but now we're finally at a place because it is a big difference between 20 and 23, 22. Right. Just because, you know, whether it's student loans, whether it's doing jobs that you hate, whether it's the pandemic, you need to leave some room for life to happen so they can have those experiences. Not, you know, again, I don't mean to be offensive in saying that I'm a black woman, so I feel comfortable saying it. Now, some people might be uncomfortable hearing it, but Harriet Tubman, she has this quote, the quotes attributed to her that she would have freed more slaves if they knew they were slaves, right? So, which means that if you don't really, if you're not unhappy in something, if you're not ready to really be hurt, like, then it's not gonna work. There's a scene in the biopic of the Harriet Tubman story where she goes and frees, attempts to free her sister, right? And her sister's like, no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't wanna go. Right, she was in the big house, so to speak. So her sister wasn't ready. But then a business term, you look at the opportunity, like, and I, I believe that Harriet Tubman was probably a related executive. She's like, okay, 
we have goals to get people out of slavery. I care about you. I'm going to come back and check on you, right? But you're not ready to go now. So I'm looking for people who are looking for me. So if I'm here hanging out with you, I'm preventing somebody else that's ready to go now from preventing them to go, right? So it's really, that's how I look at it. It's That's why you have to assess if someone's ready to receive, right? If they're not ready to receive, then leave them alone for a minute. But again, I'm a relator. I'm going to come back. I'm going to engage in the relationship, but I'm not going to spend a lot of time because there's other people that are ready to go right now. I think that's so true. Um, that reminded me of a a principle that I learned from the Coast Guard. They say, "Hey, there's so many people in a in a in a wreck. Who do you know who to save? It's who's swimming towards you. Wow. Who wants to be saved? A lot of times, I." we we can't we can't sort fast enough the amount of people but those that have that desire that white hot burning desire and they're coming towards you they have earned that position because they're taking the actions it might be imperfect they might not be able to get there they look like they're floundering but they're at least making the effort and right. a lot of times effort is rewarded uh, especially in business it's not always the best product that that gets the the business. It's it's often the first product, even though it was imperfect, even though it wasn't put together and marketed exactly right. They did the thing, and now they have the data that they can take from it. And like, oh, now we know how to improve the thing and get better. So, yeah, this I don't know who set this phrase. Done is better than perfect. Absolutely. You can just, like, okay, you're here. I guess you're it. Right. That's the way it works. Thank you. Done is now. Harry Tubman at the end. She, her sister, did. She did free her sister, right? So, it takes time for some people. Like I just, you may not be ready, but <laughs> you're going to be ready at some point, or you may or may not. But I'm doing my part. All mm -hmm. I can do is do my part, right? You make the offer, you, and and that's why we're taught also in 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 that train in training and. And, edu and, and entrepreneurship training is that customer avatar, right? Mm -hmm. Going for that person who wants your services. Like mm -hmm. one of the, the classes we talk about is, okay, who's more likely to buy your service, right? Is it you're a shoe salesperson or a shoe, shoe store owner? You have two prospects that come in. One has, owns a hundred pairs of shoes and the other owns one. Who's more likely to buy, Right. And if you, shoes, right? <laughs> yes, right? Because they like shoes. Mm -hmm. The one, the other person, oh, they need shoes. They don't like shoes. They're fine with wearing that one pair of shoes, right? So you that's why we have to sift and we have to assess and make decisions. Not everybody's ready to be helped or want what you have. You are looking for the people who are looking for you. Absolutely. Valerie even made a great comment in the in the chat. It says the old saying is when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. That's right. It ha happens in business all the time. When when we have a customer that's ready and willing and able, right? They're a raw client. That's when they'll make a transaction with us if they know, like, and trust us. But if they yes. don't know us, they don't like us, they don't trust us because we're not living in that genius zone maybe, or we're not doing the things that, that allow others to know about us, then eventually those opportunities will pass us by. And we had no idea that they were even an opportunity. Exactly. Because you haven't, you don't have the information. You haven't trained yourself to look for it. 
Yeah. So there's that effective filter that pops up. And this is from my, uh, my background as a teacher, I heard this all the time that people get these learning blocks all the time because they, they get frustrated or they, they don't open up and allow themselves to take in information that's new. When, when you have trained yourself to be open to opportunity and open to new information, then you can take that next step that that's allowing you to go to that next level. But if you are holding on so tight to where you, you previously were just like that example of Harriet Tubman's sister, I'm like, I'm not a slave. I'm fine. I'm living in this beautiful house. All of my things taken care of. Sometimes we don't even recognize the, the chains we've put ourselves in because we're holding so tight. It's like that, that monkey fist, uh, that is in the trap they're not willing to let go and it's only when you let go that they can they can be freed that monkey trap it's so true sometimes we get caught in our self-fulfilling prophecy of not being able to do what we want to do because of our choices and letting go is a choice and moving right. on to our next level in, in business and in life is a choice so i know we only have a, a moment before we're going to transition so in in the last two or so minutes Tell us how people can find you. And then maybe if you have one, one last bit of advice for somebody, let us know. Great. So again, thank you for the opportunity, Brigham, and the invitation. Um, you can find me on Carla Hill with a K.net. Carla Hill, all one word, dot net. All my social media is there. Everything about me is there. And I would love the opportunity to connect, right? And my thing is, I believe we have one life, right? And we are we are responsible for being the stewards of that asset, right? In terms of what we're going to do, how we're going to serve the world, how we're going to bring the value so we can take care of ourselves and our families. I've been at leadership tables in corporations and government, and they are not thinking about, oh, how can we make sure Brigham is taking care of his family? That's not their mission. Everybody has a mission. Our mission is to make sure that we are aware of what we're going to bring into the marketplace mm -hmm. and making sure that we are fully leveraging that. No, that can't be delegated. Nobody's there to, to do that for you. So really just take responsibility over your life and, and lift while you climb. Lift while you climb. I love that. Thank you so much, Carla, for your your energy and your effort that you you put into this. I feel like you definitely uplifted and inspired others today to go find their genius zone and to take the assessments necessary to ask yourself the tough questions. Am I living in my genius zone? And if not, step back and actually think through. So thanks again, Carla.